it is the Sunday before Christmas, right? And, and you may come to church thinking, preacher, for once, would you, would you just be nice and, and give us a, a simple sermon that just reminds us of the fact that Jesus was born and came to rescue us from sin. And please, preacher, don't, it's the week before Christmas, don't make us think. Well, listen, I, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Um, and, and I really do want you to know that, that Jesus was born and came to rescue you. But I'm going to make you think. Some of you, that will be harder than others, but we're going to get there together, right? So there's an important question that we must ask this morning. Uh, we've been talking a lot about hope this Christmas, and oftentimes at Christmas we think about hope. But here's the question, what really is hope? What really is hope? Is hope something that we simply wish for? Like, I hope the sermon is short this morning? Yeah, fat chance, right? <laughs> or, 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 is, or is hope a confident expectation, something that we know is going to happen. Like, my hope is in knowing that as long as the preacher is biblical and on his game this morning, that we're going to walk away being fed no matter how long the sermon is, right? Or, or, or is it somehow both of those things? So, a, a quiz this morning, right? So, here are your options. They'll, they'll be on the screen. Is hope something I wish for? Is hope... A confident expectation, or is it all of the above? Are you ready? Pressure. Pressure. Let me ask you, is, it, how many of you think, raise your hands, right? Hope is something that I wish for. Everybody's looking to see if anybody else can raise their hand. Uh, how, this, hope is a confident expectation. Okay, good. Some of you daring people. That's good. Uh, all of the above. Ooh, lots of all of the abovees. How many, I'm afraid to raise my hand because I know it's a trick question. Yeah, yeah. Well, the answer actually is a really fascinating study that I want to summarize for you. If you quickly got on your phone and Googled a dictionary definition for hope, guess what it would say? Something I wish for. Hope to the world and to Webster and to all the other Oxford dictionaries that you can possibly find, the definitions will break out into three different uh, definitions, but they all come to a feeling of hope that I'm hoping something might happen. The scriptures, though, present hope as something that is more sure. The scriptures present hope as a confident expectation, something that we know that we are certain of, something that we can look forward to. Let me contrast it this way. The world would use hope like this sentence. The Browns are still hoping to get into the playoffs. Oh, I'm going to get more of a reaction out of that statement than anything this morning, right? And, and listen, listen, I, I tried to contrast that 
with a statement of the certainty of the Steelers in the playoffs. But it was all heresy. And, uh, and this is why. Because the only thing that we can be confident of, that we can have hope that is a confident expectation, is that which we find in the Word of God, and that it is the Word of God. Everything else is a wish. None of us have the promise of tomorrow. But we do have the promise of God's faithfulness in tomorrow. So the answer to our definition, if you're asking you know, for the right answer to the quiz, is really both and yet biblically only one. The world wants to say hope is something that we wish for, but the Bible tells us that it is a confident expectation. And my point this morning is that we must be careful, church, because oftentimes we apply the world's definition to our biblical hope. And that means that we are left simply wishing for the fact that Jesus is true, that Jesus has come, and that our redemption is in him. So we... We must correct that this morning. So we must see Christmas not as a time of wishing, but as a time of confident expectation. Our our theme verse for this Advent, if you're just joining us this morning, is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. You've got it memorized, so let me just say it for you, right? Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And we've spent now three weeks, this is the fourth week, in defining that confession of hope. We've said that hope allows me the honesty to say that I'm a sinner. Hope gives me the opportunities I don't deserve. Hope gives me the power to persevere. And this morning, I want us to see that hope is my confident expectation of eternal life. We start with an obvious Christmas question that reflects on our definition of hope. Here it is. Is Jesus a wish that you hope to be true? Or is Jesus a truth that is your hope? Let me say it again. Is Jesus a wish that you hope to be true? Is the hope of Christmas a wish that Jesus is the Son of God who came to rescue us from sin? Something that we're still trying to figure out, that we're still not quite sure of? A wish that you hope to be true? Or for us this morning, is Jesus a truth that is your hope? The the hope of Christmas, the truth that Jesus is the Son of God who came to rescue you from sin, is something that we can know to be true. And therefore, is a truth that gives us hope. I'll make it even more real to us this morning. Are you hoping to be content in this life because Jesus might be real? Or, or does your hope in the realness of Jesus make you content? Is your anxiety over the events of our world due to only hoping God is in control, rather than finding hope in the events of this world because you know that God is in control? Are you hoping 
for eternal life in heaven as a wish. Like, I hope I get to heaven. Or is your hope in eternal life in heaven because you know it is to be true? And you're found saying, I can't wait to get to heaven. It's a bit heavy for the Sunday before Christmas. But do you feel the significance of the question? If we apply the world's definition of hope to Christmas as a wish, we are found left wondering and wandering. But when we apply the biblical definition of hope to Christmas as a certainty, ah, to steal a phrase, we can rejoice exceedingly with great joy. So this morning, I really want us to see that our hope is certain. Listen, so that our joy might be complete. And the way we're going to do that is turn to Luke chapter 1 and consider Mary, the mother of Jesus. Because you know what? What we will learn together today is that Mary had a confident expectation of her hope in the one whom she carried. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 1. We'll be in just a second at verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I want you to see a hope that is a confident expectation in this young woman who is to be the mother of the Messiah. There's a, a great song, and it's been sung a million times and remade two million times. And it's called what? Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know, the song asked, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water, right? You know the song. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy, that's getting bad now, has come to make you new? Oh, come on, help me. This child, this is, this is the phrase, this child that you delivered will one day deliver you. That's it. It's a question of did Mary wish for something or did she know something? And I have good news. Spoiler alert. Luke 1 gives us the answer. Here it is. Mary knew. Mary knew. Listen carefully again to the story. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, and I'm going to read through 56. It is a long text, but it is a glorious text. And what I want you to do is hear by the Spirit of God in this story that Mary knew. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Easy for him to say, right? Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary, still stuck on the I'm going to be pregnant thing, right, says, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy. Here it is, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, her relative. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby in her womb leaped. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then Mary sang a song. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Oh, may God help us in the understanding of his word. Three thoughts real quickly from that text. You ready? How did Mary know? Well, Mary knew that the baby was the promised Messiah. There's much to think about in Mary's interaction with the angel in the beginning of this passage, but consider just for a second the things that she's told. First of all, you are favored. You are blessed by God, chosen by God, Mary. That's significant. Would have blown this young girl's life, right? But not something unique just to Mary. But the angel goes on. You're going to have a baby. <laughs> Pretty radical thought for a young girl who's a virgin. But, but hear who the baby is, Mary. You shall call his name Jesus. Which means that God brings salvation. Yahweh is salvation, is the meaning of Jesus. Not a highly unusual name for a Jewish boy, but it is a start. And then the angel says, he will be great. That's not Tony Tiger, great. This is the reality of of an influential title to someone who indeed has been set apart, who is 
holy. But still, something said about many in the pages of Scripture. But wait for it, right? Wait for it. He shall be called the Son of the Most High. There it is. There is no one. There is no one given that title other than Jesus. The Son of the Most High. And to make sure she got it, the angel added, (laughs) the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And just in case she was still wondering, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Like, forever. And what Mary is hearing is that all of God's promises, all that she learned in Jewish Sunday school, right? All the things of the scriptures, historically and prophetically, are coming true in this baby. I love the response of Mary. It appears she indeed is still stuck on the fact that she's going to have a baby. But who's to blame her, right, for being a bit overwhelmed? But it leads the angel to three more assurances. Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The child to be born will be called holy, and here he is in his most clear perspective. He is to be the son of God. And Mary, in case you still want something tangible to know that this is God, Elizabeth, who has been barren her long life, is now pregnant. And then Mary's response, and you ask, how do I know she knew? It's in this response. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Listen, to be in Mary's mind here is to be in the Old Testament. The stories that she has heard since childhood about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, about David, about the prophets, and the declaration that a day would come for a deliverer. And while the thought had to be mind-bending for Mary, she got that she would give birth miraculously to that deliverer, the Messiah. That the child that she would deliver is the one that would deliver her. Mary knew. Her hope was not in a wish. Her hope was in a certainty that she was carrying the Son of God. Mary knew that her baby would be the Messiah. Secondly, Mary knew that her baby would bring salvation after her very cool experience with Elizabeth, an experience that only added to the confirmation of what Mary knew, we have a song of praise sung by Mary that reflects not only her knowledge that she would give birth to the Messiah, but it reflects her hope and what that meant for her people. This was not a wishing hope. She knew and praised God that this meant that her people, the people of Israel, would be saved. The song's often called the Magnificat. It's a Latin term found in the Latin Vulgate. 
But the reality of this song is nothing short of a miracle in itself. It's filled with scriptural depth. We could take hours to unpack the reality of what Mary sings here. And I don't think it's because she got all A's in Sunday school. I believe it's because in this moment, the Spirit of God falls upon her in a way not only to sing that which she knows, but to sing that which she doesn't know, but God knows. So almost as a prophetess with a small p, she sings the glories of God in a way that brings the entire scriptures to this point, to a reality, to a pinpoint that the world might know, that we might know today, that this is certain, that this Messiah, this baby born in a manger in Bethlehem was come, had come for our salvation. It really is for Mary and for us a place that we can see that our hope in Jesus is not a wishing hope, but a knowing hope. In verses 46 and 47, Mary begins with, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. It is a reference, in part, to the words of the prophet of Habakkuk. Chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. At the end of the prophecy, the uh, prophet is, uh, you, can, you can hear as the prophet expresses at the end of this uh, prophecy where God's people are. He, he writes this uh, in verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. Though the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. Though the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Really uplifting moment here, isn't it? I mean, but this is honesty by the prophet. Israel's in deep doo-doo. Israel is in a place that you might even say is hopeless. But listen to verse 18. Yet, says the prophet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Listen, nothing's happening this good. Yet, I will rejoice. And these words in Mary's song are reminiscent of the words of Habakkuk. Listen, just think about Mary's life. Uh, Let's see, I'm a young teenager, just found out I'm pregnant without a husband, that's not going to go well, and and, uh, I got to tell daddy, mommy, and the the whole city of Bethlehem, right, I've got to carry this child, all all of the worries, all of the places that she might feel abandoned and devastated and embarrassed and shamed, and yet I rejoice in this one who is God, who has called me blessed, but even more Even more, Mary sees the reality of her people, a people ruled by the tyranny of Rome, a people in devastation, a people really left hopeless. And yet, because of this babe that she carries, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And I hear fire engines. I've got to stop and pray. Can we pray together?
Father God, I thank you for our first responders, for the uh, men and women of Sharon um, that rush to this emergency. I pray for your care for them, but I pray as well for those whom they rush to attend. God, that there would be safety, that there would be protection, there would be provision, uh, that your hand would be upon even this scenario, which sounds desperate in these moments. Uh, So God, just your hand to be upon them, your peace to be over them, and your wisdom to fill them as they respond, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary knew that her baby would be the Messiah. Mary knew that that baby would bring salvation. Mary knew, thirdly, that her baby would reverse injustice. In this song, Mary rejoices knowing that all things broken will be restored, that everything that sin has destroyed, this baby is going to make whole. It says in the song that he has scattered the proud and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. Now listen, for the Israel Mary knew, this was the promise of deliverance from the injustice of Rome. Mary and her family would have suffered for generations under the tyranny of the oppressing rulers, but they would have held fast to a confession of hope that one day one would come to reverse that. And that is what Mary sees in the baby that she carries. And you might say, today, knowing what happened, that didn't work out that way, did it? Jesus didn't come to conquer Rome. Rather, he died at their rule, a vicious death on the cross. But this is the greater news of God's plan to reverse things in our world. That it wasn't just the tyranny of Rome that he was coming for. It was the tyranny of sin that he was coming for. And he would reverse not only Mary's course, not only Israel's course, but our course to give us the certain hope of heaven. That heaven would come to earth and a baby is the plan all along to make wrong things right and give us the certain hope that heaven is ours. Mary may have only gotten that in part, but she believed and trusted that this baby was about to turn the world upside down. Mary knew that this baby was the Messiah, that he had come to bring salvation and to reverse injustice. But this morning... Listen, the question might not be so much on our minds of whether Mary knew as much as what? Do you know? (laughs) Do we know? Is our hope a wishing it to be true? Or is our hope a confident expectation that it is true? Do we know that the baby Mary delivered has delivered us? That the confession of our hope is eternal. That Jesus is the promised Messiah come to bring us salvation, to rescue us from our sins, and to reverse our journey from hell to heaven. Do we know that? 1 John 5, verse 13. is the Apostle John writing to a church that is wavering in that thought. They thought they knew. And now because of persecution, now almost a century removed from the birth of Christ, they're going, I'm not so sure. And so John writes in 1 John 5.13 this, I write these things to you 
who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you might wish that you have eternal life. Is that what he wrote? That I hope you get it that you have eternal life. That's it's not what he wrote. Listen, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you might, listen, know that you have eternal life. Two things as we close this morning in application. First, do we know that we can know that we are going to heaven? I know that was a long statement, right? Do we know that we can know that we are going to heaven? The the same John that wrote this verse in 1 John wrote a book of the Bible called Revelation. Some of you might have heard of it. You always beg for the preacher to preach on it, and he always refuses. But here's the deal. He writes it as a first-hand account of one who is lifted to heaven to see how God wins in the end. You, You want a summary of the book of Revelation? God wins. And God gives John this account so that we might know how it ends and be encouraged. I I do sometimes reflect on Revelation 4 at funerals of the saints. And the reason I do is because it is this beautiful, incomprehensible picture of the reality of heaven. And I love to encourage those who are there that their loved one now beholds such beauty. But I want you to know, I want us to know that that picture is what we can expect. Not wish for, but be confident of. There's an old, some of the old songs have gone away, old campfire song that I remember my dad uh, leading. You, You remember this one? Heaven is a wonderful place filled with Glory and grace, I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place, I want to go there. Heaven is, right? And the girls go, heaven is a wonderful place, filled with glory and grace. But we have to change the words, right? We, we got, I, I'm, you hate to change the words of the classics, but it, it says, uh, I, I'm going to, what, what's the last one? Going to be there. I, or, I want to be there. Thank you. I want to go there, right? Uh, thanks, that's why you have wives, right? I want to go there, right? I, I, we got to change it to, gotta go there. Gonna go there. Heaven is a wonderful place. It is filled with glory and grace. We will see our Savior's face. And we're going there. That's the expectation. Do we know that we can know that we are going to heaven? Listen, heaven is not a place that we have to wish for. If you believe in Jesus as one who has come to rescue you from sin, it's a part of your confession of hope. It is a certainty that is yours to look forward to. Secondly, because that's not all. I mean, that's good, but that's not all. Do we know that heaven is still coming to earth? Listen, hear the difference. Do we know that we can know that we are going to heaven? Do we know that heaven is still coming to earth. Sometimes when our focus is simply on heaven as a future tense reality, we feel like we just got to like hold our breath and get through the coronavirus and endure it till we get to heaven. But it's not what the Bible teaches. Rather, a part of the confession of our hope is that heaven is still coming to earth. That the hope of heaven is not just a future tense place that we go, but it is a present tense reality that helps us in our struggle. 
that like Mary realized heaven on earth in the baby of her womb, we can know that God is still unleashing heaven in our struggles today. It is why he instructs us to pray what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. (laughs) This is not just an end times prayer. It is a prayer for the struggle that you are currently in. It is a prayer that says, God, will you encourage me? Will you give me a certainty of hope by like showing off heaven even in the midst of my struggle? So so two pictures of our hope. I think in pictures, you know that. One of those pictures is me staring at heaven going, and I know I'm going to go there. But the other picture is me staring at heaven going, come on. God, you promised heaven on earth. And I invite you to both this morning. Mary invites you to both this morning. Our holy God has made a way for both this morning. You can know. (laughs) Paul Tripp has coined a phrase uh, that I want us to recover from this morning. (laughs) He says that many of us often have what's called eternity amnesia. He says that we find worry and discontentment. We find anxiety. We, We get stuck in this current struggle, we get stuck in today, in this life, in our own trouble, when we forget about eternity, eternity amnesia. We want everything to be right in the world when the purpose of this world, even in its brokenness, is to make us long for eternity. So may we this Christmas not forget that our confession of hope, a hope that is a confident expectation is an eternal one. And may we hold fast to it and not waver. People of God, this Christmas here, Jesus is not a wish that we must hope to be true. Jesus is the truth that is our hope. 